When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for Cairo Conspiracy, Tariq Salah. زي ما انتوا عارفين شيخ الازهر توفى امبارح خيار الشيخ الجديد قضيه الامن الوطني بالدرجه الاولى الرئاسه عايزه البلاوي خلوهم يختاروه انا تكشفت انت خليني اخلعه شوف لي ملك جديد ويفضل يكون طالب جديد لسه بشوكه ادم هو نموذج للطالب المثالي عندك شرايب هنا في مصر؟ لا، محتاجين تساعدنا. احنا بنعتقد ان الاخوان اخترقوا الازهر. صلي وتشوف لي كمان مين تاني بيصلي. احفظ لي اشكالهم، اعرف اسمائهم. ادم، ايه العكه اللي حطيت نفسك فيها دي؟ اشتغل لحساب مين؟ عندي شويه معلومات تهم فضلك. سمعه الازهر كله هتتمرمغ في التراب. عارف ايه حكم المرتد؟ الاعدام. All right, I'm being joined right now by the director of Cairo Conspiracy, Tariq Salah. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the Next Best Picture podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, how are you, first of all? Oh, I'm I'm excellent. I'm actually I'm ecstatic. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. you won the uh, screenplay prize over at Cannes for this film. So, I mean, that must have been a pretty good start, all things considering for this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's just been an amazing ride up until now. I mean, we premiered. So we premiered three weeks ago in France, you know, and we have 380,000 admissions. Till wow. today, on three weeks in France, it's an it's amazing. I mean, you know, I I no, I I never dared to dream that people would go in those numbers to see a film that is subtitled in Arabic. I mean, you know. <laughs> No, I, I hear you on that. I mean, the marketplace, especially like domestically here in the States, it's uh, definitely a bit of a struggle right now for a lot of uh, international films. But internationally, all over the rest of the world, uh, they seem to be doing just fine. And hopefully this film can find an audience because I thought it was just a riveting and engaging thriller like all throughout. It took me by surprise in a number of different ways. And I want to first kind of start off with the genesis of the idea of the screenplay. Where did the fascination uh, ultimately come from with the uh, Al-Azhar uh, University in Cairo, Egypt, and what made you decide that you wanted to center a story around that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the short answer is my grandfather went to that university. And so I had an in. I, I, I knew about it. I mean, that's the first thing. And I mean, to be, I mean, this is the Vatican of Sunni Islam. So a- anyone with a Muslim background knows about this place. And um, Sheikh Al-Azhar, the Grand Imam, which is the closest equivalent to the Pope we have in Sunni Islam, is also a very known figure. Uh, the idea came uh, when I reread In the Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. And the, the thing was that I, I loved that book. When I was in high school, I read it, and it was sort of my Harry Potter, you know, because there was no Harry Potter. I'm I'm sold that there was no Harry Potter when I was in high school. <laughs> so, I mean, when I was reading, I was reading In the Name of the Rose as sort of a mystery thriller. But then I reread it and realized that it was much deeper than that. It's, it's Umberto Eco's way to use a genre to explore the relationship between art and religion. So I asked myself, could I do that, but from within Sunni Islam? Right. And the short answer to that was absolutely not, you know, no way. And then I was like, but if I would, then, you know, and then I started to sort of spin this plot and and um, one thing led to another. And then finally, you know, all of, all of a sudden I was finding myself with a script, you know. Yeah, I, I hear you on that for sure. I'm curious, though, because it is such a uh, world-renowned and old and respected uh, institution. Uh, I'm just curious. Have you gotten, like, any any tense phone calls about how it's depicted <laughs> in the movie or anything like that? <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, there is a red line in Egypt. You're not allowed to describe it. And you're not – It's it's been several sort of, you know – both political statements and so on, where they've said, you know, we don't want it depicted in popular culture. And uh, because they're, it's an institution that is very respected. Um, at the same time, as an artist, you know, I think you want to go exactly there and you want to sort of uh, explore uh, a place like that. And um, <clears throat> it has such a rich history it, it's such an interesting place you know it's one of it's the world's third uh, uh, it's the third oldest university in the world after bologna and oxford mm-hmm. it's the world's largest university it has several hundred thousand students mm-hmm. so it's a it's a huge uh, institution um and one interesting thing with sunni islam that people are not aware of you know there's a big difference between shia and sunni in that way that sunni doesn't have a clear hierarchy. And yeah. the reason for that is that there are no holy men. There are mm-hmm. no saints, you know. So that means that how you get power is through knowledge. Right. So the imam, meaning the, the person who knows most, who stands in front, you know. And so it's not a coincidence that the power center is university. Got it. Okay, so I, I I hear you on that, but I'm also like curious to know. Coming up on Five Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth, and I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because. 
The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. In crafting like this, this almost spy thriller at times, uh, did you like draw from any inspiration from other movies or television shows or a- anything like that at all in terms of like, okay, this is how I'm going to structure this and this is how I'm going to lay it all out? Yeah, I, I have a story about that, that I had, I had written the whole script and it was already greenlit. It was actually even planned finance everything i'm a huge jean le carré fanatic i'm a yeah. we're, we're talking i'm i'm obsessive i've read all his books even more so than the harry potter got it <laughs> much more i mean we're talking i mean i i you know i worship the man yeah you know and and so um when he died uh, it was during covid and we had to push the the shoot uh, because of covid so I reread all his books and I realized right away that there was something wrong in the script. I had to rewrite it because, you know, Smiley, uh, he would never tell his spy what the real mission is. Yeah. That that presents a big problem in film because you always want the protagonist to know why he's doing something, you know, and that's the, the, the audience can easily feel betrayed if, you lie to them too much, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a few examples where it works, but most of the time, audience gets really pissed off when you lie to them. So, um, um, you know, I, I was struggling with that, to be honest. And, and uh, but I, 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 I found a way where I felt that uh, Colonel Ibrahim, uh, you know, the Fires Fires character, he, he has two agendas. I mean, he doesn't have one agenda. He has two agendas. He wants to find out who killed the student. Right. And he also wants to do his mission, which is to put the right person as the grand imam. So uh, he only tells Adam one of the agendas. And uh, and that is sort of how it's structured. And, yeah. and um you know, it is a spy thriller, and I would even go as far as say because I'm a genre filmmaker for sure. I I love genre film, and it's like you know all the masterpieces are genre films. Let's be honest. Like sure. let, let's 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 just put aside all the bullshit. I mean, if we if we really look at the real films that stay, like you know Sunset Boulevard, Double Indemnity, you know, like you you have uh, Chinatown. The Godfather, they're all genre films. Yeah. You know, and High and Low by Kurosawa. So, with this, I decided that if I'm going to make it a spy thriller, I was thinking that this is a prison movie. I realized it when I when I had started to actually do the production design for it. When I was working with my production designer, I just realized, okay, there is a courtyard, there is a canteen, there mm-hmm. is the uniforms, there's only men. And I was like, this is a prison movie. Yeah. You know? It, I, I get that vibe from it too, yeah. It Definitely is. It that. is a prison movie. Yeah, and, and, and you know, one of my all-time favorite films is Alcatraz. So I started studying that and, and looking at it from sort of a visual point of view, and that was a big inspiration, actually. Yeah. 
Uh, Tarfik Barholm, I want to talk about him here, who plays Adam in the movie. Can you tell me what qualities he possessed uh, that made you cast him here? Because it's one thing to describe in terms of the plot, the journey that that character goes on. It's another thing to talk about the internal journey that that character goes on. So I imagine you have to be really, really careful about your choice of actor uh, to portray that. Oh, 100%. I'm glad you're asking about Taufik. He's an amazing actor. And um, his, his, his story, his own story is very interesting. He's an Israeli-Palestinian. He went to a Jewish boarding school. Mm-hmm. So he speaks Arabic, Hebrew, Spanish, English. He's a, a savant in that way. He And when you know a language mm-hmm. fluently, you also understand how people think. So... In that way, he is a chameleon. He can sort of almost blend into any sort of circumstance. So he he doesn't fit in anywhere in that way. And so when I found him, I was very happy. I knew right away I had found my Adam. And I decided not to test screen him. Mm-hmm. And he was very stressed by, by that. He said, please test screen me. Make sure that you've chosen the right guy. And I said, I've chosen you. And I, I want you to be chosen as the character is chosen in the film. So I felt like Colonel Ibrahim myself as I was sort of directing him through the through the film. All, all you got to do, like the colonel, is make sure that he gets out the other end okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I also want to uh, touch upon, just in regards to editing tension, how does one know when you're actually shooting, okay, I know that when I get to the editing booth, I know uh, exactly I have the coverage that I need uh, because you are, like you said before, crafting a genre film at its heart here. So can you just talk about, uh, did you storyboard? Did you pre-plan uh, or did you figure it all out when you got to set? What was the process like there? Oh, yeah. So I, I am, so this is my fifth feature film and I've been working I I you know I if you know I've worked uh, extensively both in Europe and in Hollywood and you know worked with shows like Westworld and Ray Donovan so I am mm-hmm. very sort of I know that planning is everything you know yeah. I, I I do storyboard a lot with this film I took a very big risk because I decided with my DP to do something I've never done before. I shot it with one lens the whole film. You know, now that you say it, it makes that that actually makes a lot of sense now. I can see it. Like I can see it visually playing out in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that was to me really scary uh, because I choose a 40 uh, anamorphic lens and um <clears throat> the reason for it, uh, it's not an intellectual reason. I, it was an emotional reason. I wanted us to feel the scale of things. I wanted us to understand what, what, what it was like to come from a fishing village to this grand institution. And the problem when you change lenses all the time is that the eye doesn't do that. You know, we we perceive uh, scale and distances in real life, as 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 uh, if we have one lens, right? We can't zoom with our eyes. So I wanted to create create that feeling. Now that felt like a very sort of risk free thing to do. It was really enjoyable to shoot it. Mm-hmm. When I came to the editing, 
I realized how difficult it is to edit when you have shot with one lens. Yeah. So you have to be very precise with where you cut. And um and it was very challenging in a in an interesting way. I mean, I think um for me it was very sort of rewarding in the end that you had to sort of it it felt like I was working in some sort of like almost samurai discipline in like <laughs> in doing it, which which was which is uh, you know you want to challenge yourself uh, in that way. This is your uh, first film, I believe, to be selected uh, for best international feature for the Academy Awards. Can you just tell me what that feeling uh, feels like, even to just be selected? Don't you know that you're a grown up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) It's such a it's such an honor uh, in so many ways, you know. Um, in in Sweden right now, you know, we've just had a horrible ele- election where you know a a, a a party formed by Nazis, ex Nazis, won about twenty percent of the seats, and that my you know competitors, producers that sit in the selection committee have chosen my film um, that is in Arabic and that takes place in Egypt. It's such a, um, I can't like describe it. It's very moving to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that, I know they love the film. I, I, I know that. And, and uh, that they've, you know, it, it was a very sort of warm sort of when they announced it, but it's also a very sort of bold decision to send mm-hmm. this film from Sweden. But I think it's absolutely correct in the sense that this film could have never been made in Egypt, not right. in today's Egypt. So we as filmmakers, you know, I've always said that uh, the filmmaker profession is actually an immigrant's prof- profession. If you look at all the great filmmakers like Billy Wilder or, you know, uh, Milos Forman or... Coppola or Scorsese, you know, these are all uh, immigrants or children of immigrants, you Mm -hmm. know, and and I think that in a way, film is this way of both being on the inside and on the outside at the same time. I like that. I like that a lot. Can you uh, clue us in uh, as to what you have coming up in the future, whether it's film or television? Yeah, so I'm actually writing a TV series together with Bo Willeman, who oh, lives wow. there in Brooklyn. He, he lives in Brooklyn. And yeah. I've been, I was in Brooklyn in November working with him, and he's been in Stockholm. So we're writing together something that we're very excited about. And I'm also writing my next uh, film. And I'm I'm constantly, you know, for me, I 
I see myself as first a filmmaker and then, you know, whatever, Swedish, Egyptian, <laughs> hybrid human being. But like, I love this, that in this new world, you know, we work everywhere, you know, we collaborate over the borders. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's, that, that is what makes this time so exciting. Yeah. I hear you on that. I, I mean, like just even us being able to conduct this interview uh, via Zoom as opposed to having to fly and do it in person or whatever the case might be. I mean, I, I do love. Right. Yeah. It just feels like uh, collaboration is just so much more easier uh, nowadays and more uh, efficient in that regard. And then by the time you do actually meet up face to face, it's like I, I know I practically know you already, even though we. Yeah. Can yeah. Never, yeah. So that's great. No, but that's what that is great. And I, I think that just to say something about like, you know, to when I was a kid, when mm -hmm. I was a kid, you know, cinema for me was always the poor man's ticket to travel. You know? Yeah. And when when I was a kid, you know, I bought a ticket to to travel somewhere else away from where I was. And not only that, to be someone else for two hours, making someone else's decisions mm -hmm. and 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 that window. That window of of being someone else for just you know you know ten dollars at the time it was less than that it was five dollars right and it mm -hmm. was like and then for me that that experience to to if someone would have told me when I was sixteen years old that I was gonna that my film was gonna be selected to be Sweden's submission to the Oscars. I would have just said, stop lying to me. Stop <laughs> lying. That's not going to happen. You know, that's impossible. You know? Well, no matter what the outcome here, I thought you made a very entertaining and engaging uh, film. Uh, one that also, for me, just introduced me to a world that I previously did not have uh, really any knowledge about. So that was also very uh, exciting for me. And I'm sure it'll be like that for other people as well. Uh, Tariq, I want to thank you so much for your time here. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Matthew. All Hope right. To see you in New York. Hope to see you soon as well. Take care and best of luck to you. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for the film Cairo Conspiracy, Tariq Salah, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Cairo Conspiracy is Sweden's official submission for Best International Feature at this year's Academy Awards and is up for your consideration. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hey there. hey there, I'm Hannah and I'm Audrey. 
We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.